Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. This is Rob Pitts. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod! What's going on, dude? Man, we are not in our normal location, man. Nothing is normal about today, but I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Tell us tell us where we're at, Hot Rod. We're out here in Greenville, South Carolina, the beautiful Got Rocks, enjoying some good music. Uh, some good barbecue and raising money for Hurricane Harvey relief. So we're raising money for a great cause. We got great bands. We got great food. We got great drinks. We got some of the best barbecue around. I'm like, my mouth is watering. Yeah, this uh, barbecue trailer is sitting like literally, what, 20 feet away from us. That's not going to be good. Cause, That's a hint. Bring barbecue. Yeah, like, hey, guys, I know you can't hear us because you're not listening, but bring barbecue. We need it. We need it. <laughs> Odd Rod is looking a little peaked, guys. Yeah, if I turn sideways and stick my tongue out, I look like a zipper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, they say we're not supposed to lie on radio. I'm sorry. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, man, we got an action-packed show. I tell you what, we got some great stuff going on. But I want to tell you what, we need to talk about what we're doing today here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why we're here at uh, Got Rocks. Well, like I said, uh, it's for a relief fund for Hurricane Harvey. You know, Texas was impacted, and we don't need to forget about our brethren down in Florida uh, with Irma coming through and all up the East Coast. But right now, we're focusing on Harvey and the damage is done down in the middle of our country down in Texas. Uh, just a little recap on Hurricane Harvey. Uh, I'm going to get a little off from the automotive feel here and go over everything that happened there. So, August 23rd, Tropical Depression Harvey was born. Uh, 56 short hours later, Harvey grew into a Category 4 hurricane. Uh, on August 25th, Harvey uh, hit hit land near Texas Gulf Coast. Um, still named uh, still a named storm after 117 hours after making landfall. That's unreal. Um, Harvey is the longest named storm after Texas landfall on record. So, That's insane. So you imagine a storm that just lasts 117 hours. Well, you got to think about the impact this has caused. I mean, of course, we've seen all the flooding and things like that. But, I mean, you got to think about these winds. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, right here, the highest sustained wind was 130 miles an hour for over one minute long. All right, so let me just stop and think. Now, 130-mile-an-hour wind, you're not standing in. It's blowing you away. A 200-pound man would be like a ragdoll. Oh, yeah. Imagine what this is doing to houses, the cars, the... But imagine the things that are blowing in this wind. I mean, signs. Volvos. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it, it is. Chris is flying everywhere. It is absolutely detrimental. And, and yeah, we'll probably crack a few jokes about it. But in all actuality, this is not a laughing matter. This is a very serious matter that has caused a major impact on Texas. Not only Texas, but the country in and of itself. Well, you can see right here that everybody, I mean, right even right here in Greenville, South Carolina, we care. We got a packed house here today. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody's come out and show their support. And, and you know, here's part of the reason it what shows the impact on us what are you paying for gas here lately exactly yeah that's just part of the impact that it's having on us right here in south carolina and that's from this hurricane that happened all the way in texas 
So this slow movement from August 26th to the 30th, this is what led to the catastrophic flooding that we've seen in southern Texas. You know, Houston underwater, all these different places. Someone throwing something behind us. Oh, <laughs> welcome to Got Rocks. That's right. <laughs> but, you know. Dodge a bottle. <laughs> yeah, dodge a bottle. Pending confirmation, to date, this is the most rain dropped on land from any tropical cyclone. Uh, somewhere in the estimated around 30 to 40 inches of rain. And I mean, you got to think and about some, it. Some areas even seen like up, upwards of 50 inches, but that's just average. But I mean, you got to think about it. Even 30 inches of rain. You imagine 30 inches. I mean, that's almost three feet of standing water. Yeah, and then imagine, you know, okay, so if you're in a higher level, obviously the water's going to run down somewhere. So if you're in a lower level. Yeah, that, it's going to add up fast. Yeah, that's going to compound majorly fast. And that's why you've seen some pe- some places 10, 15 feet underwater is because of that right there. You know, water, it's not going to stay on top of a hill. It's going to travel downward. Well, another thing I think about, too, when they build all these big buildings in these cities and stuff like that, there's, they're designed for a minimal amount of water runoff. But when you have this extreme amounts of rain coming, there's nothing preparing it. So it's just standing straight. I mean, oh, yeah. you've got water going everywhere. Oh, yeah, and we see it right here in Greenville. You know, some cities aren't even prepared to handle that sort of rainfall. You know, Greenville, it floods with just the threat of a sprinkle. Yeah. So, I mean, we already have problems here, so you can only imagine what those guys are getting into down in Texas. I mean, it's insane. You see some of the pictures. And we've got several people in the car community that, that, that post the pictures, people that come out to our shows and things like that. And, I mean, there's people in Texas, their show cars floating right now. Oh, yeah. Now, you see you see some pretty good pictures of people that have cribbed up their, you know, precious hot rod and saved them. But, yeah, there there's, you know, Corvettes just underwater. I mean, all kinds of... Well, we even posted on our uh, page the drag strip with, golly, hundreds of thousands of cars sitting out there. That's insane. Yeah, just their total loss, their insurance claims, and they have nowhere to put them, so they stuck them out of this drag strip parking lot. Uh, there's literally 10, 20, 30,000 cars out here just waiting for insurance to come by and check them out. I've even heard they're using the parking garage, the upper decks of the parking garage, to store cars. Yeah. I mean, the impact to, to of store the- cars that, that, that didn't want to get impacted by the flood. The impact of this storm has been absolutely astronomical. And you know, the last time we spoke about Harvey, uh, damages were in the $10 billion range. Um, I don't think it's over-calculating yet, but damages are now over $70 billion, with experts saying this number could climb in the upwards at $200 billion by the time it's all said and done. Well, the thing you got to think about with this is, you know, this isn't bottled water, guys. This is mixed with sewage, and I mean, just... It ruins everything it touches. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about several weeks ago on on the show. You know, when you're talking about buying a flooded car, the process you have to go through of cleaning this flooded car because of all the different contaminants that are in it, the the different bacteria. This stuff, I mean, think about flooding into your house. It's the same principle. you got to think about every, you know, most houses probably set two to three feet underwater. And you got to think, the whole house two to three foot down, it's ruined. Exactly. We got to think about what what's, what are those levels? You got light sockets. I mean, you have everything right there. I mean, it's just and it, I mean, it's also washing away at the foundation of the home. And then just just another sign of the impact of the storm. A large portion of the losses that were sustained by the storm were uninsured homeowners. I mean, you got to think how many people go through life without homeowner insurance because well, you know, know, or they didn't have a specific flood insurance, or there was a rental house. Yeah, because let's face it, you're sitting in Texas. You don't really probably don't think about having flood insurance. Not that often. <laughs> but I mean, and you know, just tragedies they keep adding up. Eighty-three confirmed deaths during the storm of Hurricane Harvey. Eighty-two being in the U.S. alone. So I mean, more than three hundred thousand 
were left without power. And, and I've heard as far as like earlier in this week that some are still even without power. That's insane. So I mean, and there's still floodwaters. There's still standing floodwaters. So, I mean, there's no doubt this. You know, all of Texas. You know, and I, and I hate that we're not including them right now, but Florida, Charleston, all these people are need in need of relief. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just uh, further details. An estimated 48,700 homes and a near 700 businesses were damaged or destroyed. So this is going to impact the economy for, you know, months, dare I even say years to come. Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to definitely be a rebuilding process, and it's going to take time. I mean, it's, it's not something that's going to get fixed in two months. This is something that, I mean, it's even like when, when Katrina hit Louisiana. Yep. I mean, it's just now really bailing out. Oh, yeah. I was able to go through Louisiana probably four years after Katrina came through, and you could still see the effects of damage, you know, land that was cleared out that wasn't at one time cleared out, just where massive amounts of water had come through and sweep away all the trees and all, you know, anything that was, you know, defiant to that land, you know, trees, shrubs, all that was gone. There was just big, clear patches that weren't there before. And you see the same thing in Texas. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Rockport, Texas, where the storm made landfall first. You know, their courthouse was damaged, and the reason why is a cargo trailer was uh, swept through about halfway through the courthouse. That's insane. I mean, there's there's towns in Texas where they estimate between 80 and 90% of all standing structures were damaged in some, you know, degree. So, I mean, the impact here is just monumental. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And, I mean, until you've ever been through a disaster like this, you would never be able to wrap your mind around it. No, it's absolutely insane. But I'll tell you what, guys, we're going to shift gears coming up after this commercial break, and we're going to talk about racing a little bit. That's Something right, we're guys. good at talking about. That's right, guys. Stay tuned. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am Odd Rod. To my right is the lovely Rob Pitts. How are you doing, sir? That really creeps me out, Odd Rod, when you say that. <laughs> it really, really creeps me out. All right, guys. If you aren't down here at Got Rocks, this is the place to be. There's good music, good food. There's kids out here in front of us playing cornhole board. And they said they're looking for a competition. They ain't found none yet. Uh, they're taking money right now is what they're doing. Yeah, they're hustling. <laughs> That's right. They're hustling. <laughs> I tell right. you what, guys. We said we we're gonna shift gears. I don't. I think we should shift gears. I tell you what. Let's shift gears. We're here for Hurricane Harvey, but I'll tell you what I want to talk about. I want to talk about some drag racing. Let's talk about drag racing. I love drag racing. You know, we were at Z Max here the other week. You know, we had a great time. We, we met, did. We, we did. got us a lot of cool calling guests lined up. But you know what? I want to explain because you know a lot of people didn't grow up in a drag racing background like I did, or haven't been around the sport. And you know, top fuel drag racing is a very, very exciting, very, very exciting. It's the top dog of NHRA. I mean, it really you is. think about it. I mean, when you've got, you know, the, your pro stock cars, your funny cars, of course, all your bracket cars and all that, and that's exciting and that's cool. But Top Fuel is the Mac Daddy. They're the heavyweight champions of the NHRA. So I want to give you, you know, a few little facts about Top Fuel drag racing, and I got a real special treat for all our listeners today. What we got? What we got? I can't tell you. It's a surprise. All right, fine. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I tell you what. So we're talking about top fuel drag racing. Of course, we all know it as being the top dog. And if you've been in, you know, if you've been around NHRA for more than five minutes, of course you know the names: Brittany Force, Doug Coletta, Leah Pritchett, Tony Schumacher, Steve Torrance. All of these guys—they drive top fuel dragsters. And I mean, this is what brings people to the stands. These cars right here. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, of course, these are just those names. I mean, they're the rock stars of their trade. And you know, I mean, this is. 
I mean, everybody likes the bracket course. There's a great entry-level classes. But this right here, these guys have put in the time and determination and millions of dollars. Well, honestly, I, I remember the first time I ever went to a big drag race was down in Commerce. And the first driver I ever met and shook hands with and actually got the opportunity to talk to was Tony Schumacher. And so, I mean, you know, that's a name that still stands out. And we actually met him at SEMA. Yeah, we met him at SEMA. We met him at SEMA. But, I mean, super cool guys, like I said. And a really cool thing about coming out to drag races and things, it's a lot different than NASCAR. You know, instead of you just sitting in your seat and watching the cars go in circles, you can actually, every ticket's a pit pass at an NHRA event. You walk out and you get to see the cars. You get to meet the drivers. You can see everything about them. You're within 10 feet of everything they're doing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and that's something that's always drawn me to drag racing is, you know, NASCAR, you don't ever see them. Unless you, you've got a hot pass, you don't go in the infield. Yeah, you don't You don't get to see all the goods happening. You know, you can watch John Force make a pass, walk over to the pits, watch him come back in, watch his team tear down and rebuild his motor, and watch him go out and do it again. Exactly. Uh, and meet him, you know. And meet, and meet John Force while you're doing it. Yes. I mean, so just, you know, to have those opportunities and, and really get personal with them, and, and they get personal right back with their fans, it's absolutely awesome. Well, I mean, like I said, you know, everybody knows these names. I mean, you've got so many legends in the sport. I mean, like I named off a few of the really hot ones now. But then, of course, you've got Eddie Hill and Big Daddy Don Garth, who actually innovated the rear-engine dragster. That was a thought he had. Right. Um, you know, quick story on Big Daddy Don Garland's. He had They had front-engine dragsters, and he lost part of his foot to a flywheel coming <laughs> off. <laughs> and in the hospital, he actually designed the first rear-engine dragster. <laughs> That's a hot rodder right there, guys. He said he didn't want to lose another part of his foot. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you got Kenny Bernstein, you know, Joe Amato, Shirley Muldowney. You know, those are call a past calling guest, guys. Like I said, we've had so many great callings. And like I said, if you miss these, you're truly missing out. But you know what? You can go on iTunes, and you can listen to every episode of Hot Rods and Happy Hour. They're all archived right there for you. Or if you're too lazy to download iTunes, you can always go to 1063WORD.com exactly. and just click the podcast link. Exactly. But like I said, you know, like Shirley Muldowney, I mean, we had a great... Great, 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 great interview with her. Uh, just her insight through the years. I mean, this lady has seen things. She's seen just the innovation through drag racing. And then on top of it, being the first woman really in the sport. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, and the list goes on and on. These cars are the quickest, quickest accelerating race cars in the world. And the fastest sanctioned category of drag racers, period. Reaching speeds of over 330 mile an hour and finish at a thousand foot. So can you imagine in less than a thousand feet running 330 mile an hour? Well, Plus, know, I can remember actually back when these cars ran the full 1320. 20, exactly. They and, actually and they slowed to slow them down. down. Yeah. They shortened the track to slow them down. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, you know, back the first race I ever went to, and you're talking about back in 04, uh, I believe Tony Schumacher ran like 317, 320 miles an hour yeah, in 1320. Now they're going 330 plus in a thousand foot. Exactly. So I mean that is just mind-boggling, you know, that these cars are doing that. Well, you know, the thing you got to think about is the acceleration of a top fuel dragster, and we're going to break it down a little bit for you. A top fuel dragster accelerates from a dead standstill to 100 mile an hour in eight tenths. You can't even count that. That's like what. <laughs> that's not even what. It's what. Eight tenths. That's what. That's eight tenths of a second to 100 mile an hour. All right. Eight tenths of a second to do that, and it exceeds 280 mile an hour in just 660 feet. That's, that's mind-boggling. I mean, it blows the mind. Uh, a few other little crazy facts. Under full throttle, 
A top fuel dragster uses 11.2 gallons of nitromethane per second. Which, by the way, isn't cheap. No, it's not. All right, well, these cars don't have like a normal distributor like your normal street car or even a normal drag car. They actually have magnetos. They have dual magnetos on supplying 44 amps. That's right, guys. 44 amps to each spark plug. By the way, that's way more than enough to kill you. That's enough to make your eyes pop out. I was going to throw that out there to you. All right. So basically, this is the same amount of output as an arc welder on each spark plug in one of these cars. So it's like eight arc welders going at once. Yeah. That's, I mean, it just blows my mind. Can you imagine eight Miller electrics hooked up to this thing? I mean, it's insane. But I mean, I mean, this, I mean, it's just another cool thing about the spark plugs. Actually, the spark plugs about halfway through, they're disintegrated. It's actually dieseling off the nitromethane and the combustion in the chambers. Yeah, so there's no more spark. Yeah, for about a second the and a half. Yeah. They're, they're really just kind of on autopilot from there. That's insane. It blows my mind. I tell you, so many fun facts about the, about the top fuel cars, though, and the things that's really, really cool about it is this. Just to explain the cost. And that's another cool thing about going to an NHR event is seeing these haulers and the tools and the crews and all these expensive cars. I mean, this stuff is so expensive, guys. But the thing is funny. If all the equipment is paid for and all the crew is working for free <laughs> and you break nothing, which is virtually impossible, but if you break nothing... It costs, on average, $1,000 a second to so, run a so top fuel dragster. Why Why are we not in the sport? I mean, it sounds like a win-win to me. You know, with this fabulous radio budget, I don't see why we just don't dive right in on it. That's what I'm saying. I think we just need to get one. <laughs> I got another one that's really good for you. This is something, just to, just to put it in perspective for you, the acceleration of a top fuel dragster. And then we'll tell you a little more about our special guest here. All right. Say you're driving a $140,000 Lingenfelter twin-turbo-powered Corvette Z06. Already can't afford it. <laughs> Just say you could. You have over a mile on the road, and you have a top-fuel dragster that's staged and ready. So you have a mile start before it. So it started off a mile behind you. You've reached top speed of 200 miles an hour when that dragster accelerates. So you guys leave at the same time, but you're running 200. He's running zero. And he leaves at the same time. Oh, I tell you what, speaking at the same time, needless to say, it'll outrun the Corvette Z06 by a car length. All right, guys, we got a special guest coming up right after this. Stay tuned for that. We'll be back here in a little bit. That's right, guys. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts on Rod. What's happening, man? Man, I want to tell you something. we got a call-in guest. I tell you what, let me let me just sum up my call-in guest today for you. Sum him up. Take a Lifetime movie. Right. Chuck Norris. Right. And a crap load of nitromethane, and you got our call-in guest today. Sounds like a great guy. I tell you what, we're talking to Mr. Steve Torrance. He's the driver of the Capsco top fuel dragster for the NHRA circuit. Steve, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Oh, man, I tell you what, I am living, man. I get to talk to my favorite people, and that is drag racers. Straight line special. We don't turn left. We know where we're going. Exactly, exactly. I don't even talk to them NASCAR boys. I'm telling you, I let Odd Rod handle all them. Yeah, them old boys right there, they drive past, they drive past the start line over and over and over. Chasing their tails. Uh, yeah, chasing their tails. Hell, we drive to the finish line one time, quick, fast, and in a hurry and get it done, get the trophy, and go home. Sounds about like my first marriage. Yeah, I'm kind of going probably get in trouble over this, but it's kind of like a woman in an argument. She just keeps going back to the same thing over, over and, over, and over, over again. Just a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Preach. 
But anyway, Steve, I tell you what, we got a lot of cool things to talk to you about. You know, this is the thing. Like I said, you are a top fuel drag racer. And that by itself is just cool as all get out. But, I mean, you've went through a lot of stuff along the way. And, I mean, you have been come out just kicking every time. Like, I mean, I was reading your bio. I mean, I knew a lot about you because I follow a lot of the NHRA stuff. But, I mean, like, I was really doing some homework on you. I mean, like, you're tough, man. I mean, that was just straight up, like straight up respect there. Well, I appreciate it. So that kind of gives me direction of where you was going with that Lifetime movie because that's the Man Hater channel. Yeah. And I thought, what, how am I tying into that? But, but yeah. you see what I'm talking about, though. Like, you know, it's that. I mean, it's everything. I mean, and then you come out like Chuck Norris kicking, man. Yeah, I had cancer when I was 17. I had a heart attack at 33. And uh, it's been a rough road, but I'll tell you what, you know, it, it just makes you a little more hungry. It drives you a little more. It and it makes you, you a lot more. A lot more appreciative for every day, so it's kind of like these old East Texas boys. We say we live, we running wide open and a court low, so that's kind of the way I live. <laughs> Story, of my, that's how I got to the station today. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I mean, but this, that's, that's 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 the thing. So you were racing, but you know, this wasn't something that you know you started racing in your twenties or whatever. I mean, this is something you grew up in. Oh yeah, I started racing sports and stuff. Super comp with my dad when I was fifteen. Uh, 2005, I had an opportunity to drive a top alcohol dragster, won a championship in, in alcohol that season, and then the next year I started racing top fuel. So I, I raced a limited schedule off and on up until 2011 and uh, been been balls to the wall ever since. And I tell you, I mean, it, you look back, I've been racing top fuel for 11 years. 11 years, it makes you feel old. It does make you feel old, but I mean, but I mean that's impressive, though. I mean, I mean, I mean, you came from a comp car. Now you, I mean, you're you're the. I mean, I mean, it's like this, Steve. It's like I was looking for questions to ask you, and I mean, I always try to dig a little deep and, and get some good stuff in there, stuff that you know our average listener wouldn't ever hear. And I mean, honestly, the only question I could come up with, I mean, just think, you kick cancer's ass, you survived a heart attack, you have a top fuel dragster team. What next? I mean, are you gonna be president or something? <laughs> Hey, I kind of like a president we got right now. I'm, so. I'm, I'm fond yeah. of him, too. We actually had him here in the studio. That's badass, man. I the, love it. Uh, you know, it, I don't know. I just, I, you, you keep going, you keep digging, you keep moving forward. And, and being a professional drag racer is, was what I dreamed, dreamed of doing as a kid. So I've kind of reached my goal, and, and I've enjoyed everything I've been able to do. I don't know what is next. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm for sure not going to be racing in a circle. <laughs> but, uh, so you're not going to go take NASCAR? No, but maybe we can. Can you know we we got an opportunity to win a championship. That's that's the the that would be the highlight of my career, and continue to go. But I would like to con- to grow this team. I'd like to add another car, maybe two cars, and you know we're a we're a family run independent team out there kicking Schumacher's ass, and we love doing it. And hell, we're going to try to to you know if we can add fuel to the fire, that'd be even better. That, but you know what? That's the fun of it. And I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> Here at Hot Rods and Happy Hour, it don't take a real smart rocket scientist to figure out that we're a little biased and we like drag racing. <clears throat> but the thing that's crazy about it is, is we, you know, about, you're talking about NASCAR and everything is so PC. Drag racing is still a man's sport. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that being disrespectful to the NASCAR guys, but you know, you got NASCAR guys that are, are that are getting out of the sport. They got their money and they got out. You know, they're retiring. Yeah, you're not going to – there's a lot of money in NASCAR, and I'm not going to knock it because those guys right there, it takes somebody – it takes a special kind of person to drive one of those cars. Hell, they race that thing four or five hours. You'll be, 
I'm wore out after four seconds or less than four <laughs> seconds in a top fuel car. That's Those what I told my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not going to knock them too much, but it's not as politically correct over here, and 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 you know, reserved and corporate, and it you know that that's where the big money's at. But you still got a lot of just good old country folks that are out here trying to race as hard as they can. You know, and some I, of these guys have have made it more politically correct but i've done everything i can to, to backspin that i think that's what keeps the sport so good though is i mean just a good old boy can show up in a chevy truck with a car on the trailer and have a good time you know and that that's what that frustrates a lot of a lot of those guys we race against but it also brings a lot of hope to some of the guys that are not the big funded teams and are out there running you know eight or ten races a year we show up we're a bunch of damned old pipeliners in east texas and, and we're out there <laughs> going blow for blow with the best of them and hell we're winning some of them and they don't like it and that's what i like i like i like to see that that disgust on their face and that it just puts joy in in your heart it does it just kind of gives you that warm fuzzy feeling yeah just introduce a little anarchy to it i love it (laughs) it's it's good to break up the monotony of uh just high dollar motorsports every once in a while you know, it really is, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, it takes a lot of money to run them cars, but it takes it takes a team, because you can go out there and buy every part you want, but it takes a team behind you to make it successful, and the guys that I got, I say we're a bunch of, of just misfit outlaws, and uh, that's what we are. I mean, everybody's been on different teams at different places and never did really fit in, and they all come to torrent racing, and we, it's kind of like them... Uh, you know that that group of badasses that didn't really fit anywhere, but when you put them together, they 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 show out. That's like the Wreckham Crew in the whole nine yards. <laughs> oh yeah, we showed up and showed out, and that's what oh, we to get <laughs> But I mean, but this is the thing, though. I mean, I mean, the, like, just the whole story with it and all that stuff. And I mean, like everything you touch. I mean, you're a success because you put your heart into it. And I think that's, that's the difference. And that's the only way to do anything. I mean, you know, maybe that come from going through what I've gone through early in life or just, you know, watching my dad build this business, build Capco and, and start from the ground up and what it takes to get there. And, and it takes hard work and just pure drive and determination to to achieve anything. You can't just sit on your butt and wish for it to happen no. or you'll be like a lot of other people, you know. I don't want to be like that. I want to make something happen. So, Steve, I'm sure you've talked about this a million times, but can we flash back a little bit to 2000 when you had cancer? Because my, my stepdad actually passed away from the same cancer you had. And, yeah. And um, I'm just curious, what kept you going? What kept you motivating to push forward, to not stop, to not give up, and just fight through that? Dude, to be honest with you, I was 17 years old and just ignorant. Because... <laughs> At that point in my life, every funeral I'd ever been to was somebody in my family that had died from cancer, and I thought, you get cancer, you die. I mean, there's no, you don't, you don't overcome that. And right. I just had, I had enough just grit and determination that it wasn't going to kill me. I said, I'm, I've not lived it, I haven't lived half of my life, you know. i still got a lot of living left to do and a lot of things I want to do. And at the end of the day, it was just, pure determination and a lot of family and friends support because i you know being young i had a really good advantage on my side that my body was more resilient and able to overcome it and then i think that it's it's at least 80 percent mental just you know not letting yourself get down and just fighting every day because you take chemo you take radiation and 
that stuff right there, it's it's who can live the longest, the cancer or the person, and, yeah. and the other one gets to out. You know, it, it's killing you and it's killing the cancer, and whatever one lasts longer is the one that survives. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing, though. You're talking about driving determination and all that. And you're talking about it being mental. I mean, if you want to die, you're going to die. You're not going to survive. That's the thing. All the doctors and the medicine in the world, if you don't have the fight in you, it's never going to work. Yeah, you just, you just lay there and give up, and there's nothing left for you to do. Exactly. Well, I think you take that driving determination and mix it with a little nitromethane, and I think you find the perfect cure. It's a concoction that is, uh, know what you'd say. I mean, it's a good concoction. You can come up with a lot of fun and... It, it tends to be just like nitro explosive. Well, I want to tell you something else, though, about it. I mean, drag racing is probably the worst drug ever. It is the most addictive thing ever. If you ever go to the drag strip, it's over with. You're hooked for life. And I don't do drugs, but I know them jokers has got to be expensive, but they cannot be anywhere nearly as expensive as I'm drag racing. I'm telling you. I grew up I don't in know it. if there's any, anything more addictive or more that can get more expensive. I grew up in a drag racing background. My father raced pro mod for years. And, I mean, I know all about the expense of it. And I've heard many times it's probably been easier for with a drug habit than drag racing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and at least they have, like, rehab for drugs. They don't have anything for drag racing. I heard they are working on something for them NASCAR boys, though. So that's a good step. What is it? What are they going to do for them? I guess they're going to make him start making right turns or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or just go backwards. Oh, I just tear them all up. All right, Steve, if you don't mind hanging on with us just for a second, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back and we'll talk to you a little bit more. All right, guys, you're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Stay tuned. Right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rods! What's happening, man? I tell you what, man, I got my main man, Steve Torrance, on the line still, man. Best calling interview ever got. Top fuel driver. We're talking about all these trials and tribulations going through. I want to talk about some of the fun stuff. Yeah, let's talk about fun stuff. Steve, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. Speaking of fun stuff, you tell us while while we're on break what you do. Where are you doing right now? I'm riding around in the cow pasture, checking cows, and and maybe sipping on a Miller Lite. I tell you what, that's the, if that's not the good life, I don't know what is. If you ever want to know what drag racer does on not the weekends, that's what. Well, they no, do. that's what this drag racer does. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm probably the only one doing that, but. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, I got I got a feeling. I got a feeling that, that, that Tanner Gray is not checking the cows right now. He's probably eating a hamburger right now. <laughs> Tanner Gray ain't ever even seen a cow. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Well, maybe one of them stuffed ones when he was a kid a couple years ago. Yeah, one on the front of a boarding box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. But I'll tell you what, now, so, so we're checking cows. We're riding around. We're having a good time. What's one of the best moments? In your racing career, like something that sticks out, just that that one time that, that, that just no matter what you've done so far, what's been that pinnacle moment for you that, that you won't forget? It happened about three weeks ago, and it was winning. It was winning the U.S. Nationals in Top Fuel, and that's the big one. I mean, yes, that's the big one. And and I won that thing in 2005 in a Top Alcohol car, and you know, it, that was the first time I'd ever raced Indy. First time I'd been to the track, and hell, I showed up, won the race, and it was easy. And I didn't really, I didn't really cherish that moment. I didn't enjoy it. And I've been to the finals there four times now in a top fuel car, and finally got it done. And when I, you know, hell, you seen my my interview on TV? I was all teared up like a little old kid and <laughs> crying and stuff. I thought, hell, I don't want Indy. I don't even. I look like a little old girl up here now, but. It was uh, it was the highlight of my career, especially to uh, 
to have been there so many times and not and to finally show up and not only win the, the, the Nationals, but win the Tracks of Shootout two days before. It was an unbelievable weekend. That was a very good weekend. Even made, even kind of left there making a little bit of money and not being in the hole. I'm going to tell you something. And that's something, <laughs> that right there in itself is a miracle in drag racing. It is. I mean, you, you can you can spend a bunch of money to win a little bit. What's my, my dad, his favorite thing to always say, if you want to make a small fortune, start out with a large fortune and go drag racing. Exactly. That's how you turn a billionaire into a millionaire by racing. <laughs> Overnight. <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about your personal life outside of there. Are you a hot rodder or are you just California and that's it? You like Man, it? I do. I'm a, a, a jack of all and an ace of none. I got cows. I got, you know, I love to hunt. Occasionally I fish. I uh, got hot rods. Not really any old hot rod stuff. Got a bunch of newer sports cars, Porsche, Ferrari. Nice. My mom drives a McLaren occasionally. So, I mean. Mom definitely gets right. cool points there. Yeah, mom gets cool points. You come pulling up to the Piggly Wiggly and the McLaren, you know, you <laughs> oh, mean yeah. business. Kick that door out, it slides up in there. You look all cool trying to load the groceries up. I mean, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> neat for mom. I want to know where she puts them. That's what, I've never seen a trunk on a McLaren. The motor was no, back there, I thought. Yeah, the motor's in the back. You flip the hood open, and I think you can fit like a can of coffee and maybe a grapefruit up there in the front. <laughs> That's about it. A small grapefruit. So what kind of hunting yeah, do you small like? Grapefruit. What kind of hunting do you like doing? Man, I hunt all over the all over North America. Actually, I've been I spent a month in British Columbia year before last uh, hunting grizzly bear, black bear, and wolf. I've uh, been down to Mexico shooting desert bighorn sheep. All over the the you know, the 50 states, just hunting anything and everything. I, I, I'm i trying to do what's called the North American Super Slam on film, and that's all 29 big game animals. See, I'm, I'm just so, a simple southern boy. I just like shooting at ducks. <laughs> ducks, deer, quail, dove, squirrels. all that. <laughs> squirrels, <laughs> rabbits. If yeah. it's fuzzy and moves, it's gone. <laughs> if it's brown, it's down. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I, yeah, I just like shooting a duck every now and again. <laughs> I got <laughs> the only bird I, I ever shot you. was on my hand. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we at dove, dove season opened up uh, two weeks ago. My girlfriend and I went down to the ranch and shot a few dove and hung out and just kind of got away. Right. So, I, you, I imagine drag racing really gets into your hunting life. It does. I had a meeting with Graham Light here a few races ago. I said, look here, Graham. This racing deal is screwing up my hunting situation. What, what can we do about it? Yeah, we're going to we're going to move some dates around or something. Yeah, we need to get this deal over with by, like, September the 30th. That's when bow season opens up. That's what I'm saying. It's getting real inconvenient, sir. So if all of a sudden you see all of a sudden you see Steve start losing out, we know why. <laughs> I think we're just gonna yeah, set this one on out, you know, bow season. Well, I mean, being that we're running for a championship, I'm gonna probably show up, but if we were sucking, <laughs> I'd probably be at deer camp. <laughs> you know, considering I'm doing good, I guess I'll hang around, see how it ends, but you know. Being that we got a shot to win this deal, I better show up. Yeah, you might I mean, that's it's the nice thing to do is just to show up, you know, act like you care. Hell, I care a bunch. I want to. I, that would be nothing better than to leave the end of the year with that great big trophy. I want to tell you Check something. 
ever even see the check, but the trophy is what I want. <laughs> That's one of them big checks, like the one old Ed McMahon used to hand out. One of them. Yeah, it ain't got enough zeros or commas on it, but it's a real big check. It is a big in size check. <laughs> yeah. You got to take that over to the big bank to cash it. In the big check department. <laughs> Yeah, that'll go into my Mama K's jet fuel fund, I'm sure. Yeah, really. <laughs> I tell you, but I mean, but that would be to win the championship. I mean, how awesome would that be? I mean, to be that guy. I mean, I think about it, that's top fuel legend stuff right there. And like I said, I grew up in you know in the '80s, in the '90s of drag racing. And I mean, you know, your Joe Amato's and your Kenny Bernstein's, you know, Don the Snake Perdome, which guys like Tanner Gray don't even know who he is now. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. The crazy thing is I got pictures of, I, I, you know, I was born, I'm an 80s kid. I was born in 83. I got pictures of me in like the the nylon windsuits. You, you know, multicolored, <laughs> multicolored windsuits, taking pictures with Bernstein, pictures with Amato, pictures with Force. And the craziest deal of all is, hell, I know those guys now. I mean, I, That's crazy, I isn't it? got them on... I got their phone numbers. I call them and talk to them occasionally. I mean, Force is my shop is is part of Force's building in Indy. I mean, I'm like, I'm just a little old punk kid, and those guys right there are heroes, and hell, they know who I am. Yeah, that's awesome. I tell you what, the coolest thing ever, and and just show my age a little bit. Two drag racers really had my heart as a kid growing up. I was a big pro stock fan back in the day before it got born. And exactly. I looked, <laughs> no, I, and I am. I was, and I'm still a pro stock fan, but I was a big pro stock fan. And I want to tell you something. It got no better than Warren Johnson and Bob Glidden. I really those thought those guys, guys, that was my Neil Armstrong. You know what I mean? I mean, that yeah. was, and I got to meet both of those guys. And I mean, and I mean, I actually have interviewed Warren Johnson before. And I mean, it's just crazy, you know, to talk to these people now. So I kind of feel what you're saying. When, and that's when Pro Stock was actually, you know, cool. Those guys worked hard and they, hell, they'd get out and fight and throw their helmets. And <laughs> it, it wasn't such a cookie cutter class. My girlfriend works for one of those Pro Stock teams and I give her relentless crap about them. I'm like, yeah. I got a pro stock car every weekend. I pick it up at the airport and drive it to the racetrack. (laughs) But I mean, but but it was the real deal, though. You know what I'm saying? You had Bob Glitton. I mean, he smoked four cigarettes in the staging lanes before he got up to the line. He come back out. No wait. And he had a cigarette. No, no, wait a minute. That guy was smoking a cigarette and chunked it out while he was doing his burnout. I'm telling you, you thought that little hole in your window was for ventilation? No, that's for Bob to get the smoke out. That's what it was for. Yeah, yeah. He clicked that little that little latch open. Chunked out of Marlboro, closed it back up, and went up there and pre-staged. I won't tell you, Bob wasn't no joke. He had the only pro no, stock Bob car with an ashtray in it. <laughs> One of them push-button lighters. Exactly, exactly. But I tell you, I mean, that, that was the heyday uh, of drag racing, though. And like I said, I would love for pro stock to get revamped. And maybe some of these new guys coming in, maybe they can breathe some new life into this stuff. They need something going on for sure. I'll tell you what, Steve, my producer over here is winding his hands, throwing his hands in the air, so either the building's on fire or we're running out of time. But I'm going to tell you something, man. It's been great talking to you, buddy. I'm glad you took some time out of your schedule, counting cows and all that good stuff, to talk to me in a wide ride today. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. I had a good time. I hope I can talk to you all again. This was fun. Heck yeah, uh, buddy. We'll definitely we'll make it happen, Steve. All right, buddy. i tell you what, guys. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.